good. Come on, Scooter Scott, your hand. That was amazing. Great song. So looking forward to singing that. Thanks, Yathari. You are awesome. Why don't you grab a seat this morning? It is great to get some time together. And uh, we're going to have a bit of fun as we kick off. We're going to start off by looking at a number of pictures of Jesus from literature, from art throughout the ages, so that we can learn a little bit more about Jesus. That's what we're going to be doing. And my message this morning is, what color is your Jesus? Now, when we look at pictures of Jesus, they reveal some very interesting things about him, I think. See this picture here? I had this up on my wall as a child. Did anyone else have that picture either up on a wall or in their Bible or something? Yeah, like that guy, man, long hair. Like he was cool in the 80s. Not so much now, but that's a great picture. But it's interesting, when we look at pictures of Jesus, we can see a number of activities that he was obviously passionately involved in. The first one is crowd control. He's like, move along now. Come on, folks, there's nothing to see here. Uh, can we please move towards the exits, uh, over, over, over here to the left. And, uh, and like, what are you doing? Don't hold on to me. We're just trying to clear the room here. Please look. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, get out. Like Jesus is just trying to move people along. And we see that from these pictures Another one we see is we see Jesus was obviously involved in kids' church. You know what he's saying here, don't you? He's saying, all right, kids, give me your cell phones. Give me your cell phones. Uh, And then it's like, see, isn't this so much more fun than playing Xbox? And then we also see him going uh, on the next one. Next slide. We have him. uh, Yeah, sorry, sorry, Mr. Smith, for pulling him out of the service, but Johnny here hasn't learned his memory verse. Have you, Johnny? So we can see that Jesus is very involved in kids. Uh, We also see a slightly mischievous side of Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, what's this, kids? What do you mean? No, I haven't seen your Frisbee. And then, all right, you nasty kids, take your Frisbee. I'm not going to play with you anyway. Well, not only that, Jesus was obviously a sheep farmer. I think Jesus is saying in this next one, man, I wish I brought my gumboots. These sheep are messy. Not only that, I think that he's looking at this one going, this one's juicy. How do we make mint sauce again? But not only that, Jesus was also involved in surf rescue. You can see Jesus here. He's saying, please swim between the flags, sir. That's it, sir. That's it. Give me your hand, sir. Why are you not swimming between the flags? Thank you, sir. Sir, why are you swimming in your clothes? That is ridiculous. Did you not see the flags? What is wrong with these people? I think he said, God, why won't they swim between the flags? I think that's what Jesus is saying. And so we find ourselves this morning saying, well, really, who is Jesus? Is this Jesus? Or, or is this Jesus? Or is this? I, I saw this guy on Queen Street. I'm sure I saw this guy down on Queen Street outside McDonald's. Or is the next one Jesus? Or, or is the next one, is this Jesus? Or is the next one Jesus? Yeah, guys got creepy eyes. One thing that is interesting when we look at pictures of Jesus is this. He almost always seems to be, well, white. Jesus almost always seems to be white. Have you ever noticed that? Now, we're a gloriously multicultural church here. I love it. I love it. And so often I forget how multicultural we are until I have a friend come from, for example, a South Island church, which is much less multicultural, and he can't believe we're so multicultural. But you know what it's like. You be here long enough, you just, you just stop seeing it. You stop seeing different colors and different accents and hearing it. You just, it's just a different thing. You don't see it there. But what's interesting is this, is that over the years, we have had the privilege of visiting multiple nations on mission trips. We've, we've made new friends. We've worshiped with people in different parts of the globe. And it's been an amazing experience. But one thing that I have seen repeatedly 
has disturbed me. I remember visiting uh, very good friends of us, uh, ours from Samoa, and visited them, this woman's mother's house. And in the lounge, they had a big picture of Jesus up. I just couldn't get my head around it because it was this white Jesus. And I've seen the same in the homes of people in the Philippines, and I've seen the same in the homes of people in Africa, and there's a problem with that. And I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is that pictures shape how we perceive reality. Pictures, if you don't believe me, you remember the very first time you went to Burger King? The very first time you went to Burger King, and you'd seen the ads on TV. The Whopper Burger, Burger, Burger. You'd seen that. You expected, you went into Burger King like me, expecting to have to use two hands to pick up this burger, and you were stunned when you could only just do it with two fingers. It's like, the Whopper Burger. The Whopper Burger is monstrously underwhelming. I have to say that, even to this day. But you know what? Pictures shape our reality. Pictures of Jesus shape how we perceive Jesus. And how we perceive Jesus shapes how we relate to him. And this is the question I'm asking today. What color is your Jesus? Now, I thank God for all of the missionaries since time immemorial, for John Williams and Hudson Taylor, the Moravians, and on and on we could go. Men and women of God who laid down their lives to take the gospel to other nations. And I just think it's an incredible thing. But somewhere along the way, someone inadvertently slipped something in with the gospel that was a lie. And while the truth will set you free, a lie will cripple the truth. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1 says, A little foolishness can undo a great deal of wisdom. And I believe this is the exact thing. And it's, not, it's, the, it's the same principle that the Apostle Paul is trying to deal with in his letter to the church in Galatia. Let me read this to you. Now, he's not talking about the same issue, but he's talking about the same principle, the idea of something getting in that should never have gotten in that begins to wreck everything good that was going on. This is what Paul writes. He says, I'm astonished. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, so now I say it again. If anyone <coughs> excuse me, is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Now, yeah, Paul is fired up. I mean, can you sense that? Paul is fired up about this. The church in Galatia was founded on a revelation that there was no longer any dividing lines between the Jew and the Gentile, and that the Gentile was welcomed by the grace of God on exactly the same terms as the Jew was. They received him as Lord and Savior. Local congregations began to grow. It was a beautiful thing, but then something it was added that changed that. Somehow something was introduced that was no longer true or real or relevant, and it began to taint what God was doing then, not by any fault of God, but because something was slipped in that shouldn't have been there. It was the same thing that happened in Caesarea. After Peter had gone there, after a revelation from God that the Gentiles were totally accepted, and Peter went there and he, he, he met with them and he ate with them, which is a, 
prohibited by Jewish law, and he lived with them, which is completely prohibited. But he got this revelation. This is what the grace of God is about. This is how it looks. But then some years later, when people visited from the Jewish church in Jerusalem, they came and they convinced Paul, no, Paul, no, 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 that hasn't been done away with. No, you shouldn't be living in close proximity with the Gentiles. Man, they're different from us. And Peter began to pull away. This is what Paul says. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Something small begins to spread. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that now you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You see, Peter allowed something from his cultural background, from that context, to come and somehow get into this new context where it had no place, no right, no influence, and all it was going to do was pervert what the Spirit of God was trying to do and, the, and through the gospel of grace and the revelation that they had received. And that lie that was introduced began to wreck everything. Now, here's the interesting thing. The gospel was tainted by Jewish law, and now what we see, I believe, in the world is that we have seen that the gospel has been tainted by something very similar, but far more subtle. Somewhere along the lines, somewhere back in the, in the mists of history, when the gospel was being preached and the gospel was being taken to other nations, and it was great and glorious, and people turned to Christ and found His power in their lives, and everything was turned around. And then somewhere, at some point, somebody introduced a picture of Jesus from their context, from their white context, from their, from their context back home that had no right to be in an ethnic context, and it began to change things. They brought a picture of their Savior, a picture made in their own image, and it tainted the gospel with racial difference, and a separation began in the hearts of people who weren't white. Let me ask you again. What color is your Jesus? And here's where we're going with this. Is your picture of Jesus similar to you? Because it should be. Because He is. We need to look in the mirror and remember that we were made in His image. And when you look in the mirror, regardless of what color your skin is, you were made in His image. And if he is not like you, if the Jesus you hold in your heart is white-skinned and you are not, then you have a problem because he will always somehow be subtly other from you, not the same. And if he is other from you, you will struggle to see that he is really yours. And if he is never really yours, you will never really feel his in your thinking and in your heart. And the truth is, you are his. And he is yours. And the truth is, he was more brown than white. He was a Middle Eastern Jew living out in the sun. His skin color was not like this Palangis, not this kind of glow-in-the-dark thing that you see before you today. And we've got to understand that we are all looking for family likeness when we come to God. You know, when you were a kid, did you ever look at your parents and at yourself 
and just try and find out the family likeness. Do I have my dad's nose or do I have my, my mum's hair or whatever it is that's going on? In our household, there are times when one of our kids is being ridiculously crazy and one of the other kids will go, oh my God, you know you're adopted, eh? Anyone has ever played that game with their siblings? I know some of you did. You're not very nice people. But, but it, it's, it's weird. We have a friend of ours and uh, she is the youngest child uh, in a Samoan family. And she took great delight in being the youngest because she absolutely, completely believed she was the favorite. And so she would always tell all of her many other siblings, I'm the favorite. Just so you guys know, I am the favorite. And so, <laughs> so their siblings, her, her siblings started to say to her, oh yeah, but you know you're adopted, right? And so then they just ramped it up. They'll be in the middle of a sports game on TV and then one of them will lean over and go, hey, you know you're adopted, right? To the point where she had to regularly go to the family photo, look at mum and dad, and make sure she could see the family likeness. You are made in the image of God. Can you see your likeness in him? Can you see the family likeness when you look to the one who created you? How long, I wonder, has the Pacific Island Church, or the Chinese Church, or the African Church, or the Indian church looked at a white savior and wondered in their hearts, where is the likeness? Because if there is no likeness, that means we are not of his DNA. And it leads me to ask, is that why some ethnic churches seem to be more about the church than about the savior of the church? Because while they love the savior, and there's no question that they do, while they love the Savior, they cannot see their likeness in the Savior, and so they assume they're not of his DNA. But when they look at the church, they can see their likeness, they can see their DNA, and so they feel family. And so church takes an incredibly high place in their traditions and in their life. And the tragedy is, of course, that it is a lie. And here's the lie. The lie is that Jesus was of one color. Is it interesting that the Bible talks about how light comes from his face? Light comes from Jesus' face in the book of Revelation. And we know that if you put white light or light through a prism, we find that light is made up of every possible color that there is. The truth is this. The truth is that Jesus is Indian, and he is Chinese, and he is Maori, and he is Malaysian, and he is Samoan, and he is Rarotongan, and he is African, and he is Indonesian, and he is South African, and he is Russian, and he is Slovakian, and he is German, and he is Danish, and he is Swedish. He is all of those things. And we must understand that we are all made in his image. And we must all see ourselves in him if we are truly to receive him as ours and believe ourselves truly received as his. I don't know about you, but I've always just thought that they were, that, that Jesus was white. I've always thought that the disciples were all white, that everyone in the Bible story was white. How bizarre is that? What about, what about the guy who carried the cross for Jesus? Man from Cyrene in North Africa. Sure as eggs, he was not white like me. I don't know if you've seen the, Bruce, the movie Bruce Almighty. You know, i seen the movie Bruce Almighty or Evan Almighty. Love those movies. And you know what I loved about the movie Bruce Almighty? I loved that God, played by Morgan Freeman, was black. He was African-American. Man, I love that. 
you know what the craziest thing was after watching that? I just prayed more. I just wanted to pray more because all of a sudden God had a different level of call. He was just, he had a different level of call. He was like real friendly. He was real chilled. I really, really liked that. Like seriously, my prayer life actually went up after watching Bruce Almighty. I wanted to talk to him more. I wanted to hang out with him, the whole thing. But you know what I've realized over the years? I've realized that when I scratch a little deeper, though I like the concept of God as an African-American man played by Morgan Freeman, I also have to admit that if it's true, then God is somehow a little bit different from me. You see, God as an African-American man, he would, he would talk a little bit different from me. He would be cooler than me because I'm a skinny white guy. He would dance cool. If you've seen me, you know I don't dance cool. And, and he would love me. Oh, absolutely. He would love me deeply and without reservation. And I would be special to him. But if I'm really honest, I've realized that I would actually, I would expect him to get on better with certain other people. I guess I would expect him to hang out a little bit more with a slightly different demographic than mine. I think he would favor them a little more. I think that if a dark-skinned person prays, he would hear them a little bit more than he would for me. And when, when a, when a dark-skinned person walked in, that person would be more prominent. I would fade a little bit to the background. Now, I'm not saying that I should think this way, but this is, this, is, this is what goes on. I remember we had a Pacific Island pastor in our church who was just an amazing, amazing woman of God, real part of the team. And she talked about, one day she shared with us how you know, she just loves getting people saved. Loves getting people saved. And when anyone comes forward on the altar call, she says, just, her heart just explodes. But she said, but when I see a Samoan come down, well, then I weep. As she should. That's a beautiful thing. There's a family thing there. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, is that my fear is that it's exactly the other way around as well. That for every brown or black or darker skinned person who has always believed that Jesus has white skin, that the Savior loves them, died for them, has chosen them, I'm afraid that somewhere underneath lurks an assumption that God gets on better with white people. That he hangs out more with white people. That he favors white people's prayers a little bit more. And that when a white person comes before him in worship, Jesus sees them more. And here is the word for us today, people. Lies, lies, lies. That's what that is. There is nothing in the book, nothing in the Bible that in any way alludes to that in the smallest measure. Indeed, there is no Jew. There is no Greek. There is no black, white, or anything else. There is no racial difference. There is no color difference in the eyes of God. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In our Savior, we've got to understand there is no racial divide. There is no class divide. There is no gender divide. It simply does not exist. It is not made by God. It is made by man. We are one in Christ Jesus. And it even goes further in Colossians. Paul also addresses this whole thing of right standing based on works and culture. In Colossians 3.11, here there is no Greek or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no difference between you and your good works and you and your not supposed good works. 
There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. They do not exist as dividing lines. There is no difference between the pastor and the door greeter in terms of righteousness or access to God because it's not based on anything but the blood of Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that we all still bleed red. So what about cultural differences though? Because there are cultural differences. So what does that mean? Is there culture in heaven? Do you know what I think? I think there is absolutely culture in heaven. I mean, let's be honest, how weird would it be to live a certain way and have certain traditions and certain values here and go to heaven and find that they don't exist at all? Heaven would be foreign. It would be weird. I believe there is absolutely, absolutely culture in heaven, but I believe in the Holy Spirit when we're in heaven, we will relate to one another with perfect cultural sensitivity without even thinking. When I visit your house in heaven, I will not risk offending through not removing my shoes or not showing honor in the right way or not using your language. In fact, I believe in heaven, I will speak in my language and you will hear me in yours. I will say hello and you will hear, you will hear kia ora or ni hao or madangang or talofa or whatever it is. I think that in heaven, it will all just beautifully blend. And we'll go, hey, that's crazy. I thought it was just our culture, but it's the culture of heaven, and we'll all think that. You see, I suspect that when we get to heaven and we meet our Lord, and he takes us on a tour around heaven. I mean, why wouldn't he? It's his place. He's been creating it. I mean, if you ever go to someone who's just built a new house, what's the first thing they say? Hey, do you want to see around? Can I show you around? Like, I think we'll go to heaven, and the first thing we get up there after the, the welcome, and you made it, and we're like, Ooh, yeah, that was good. He's going to say, come on, I want to show you around. This is what I believe. I believe that as we do, as we're walking with Jesus, and we catch sight out of the corner of our eyes of the scars in his hands, and we're reminded of what he did for us, and we see just underneath his brow, we see the, the deep scars where the crown of thorns tore into his skin and he bled for us. And I think as the light falls off him, because the light doesn't fall on Jesus, it falls off him. I think that the Samoans will say to themselves, wow, you know, sometimes when the light's right, man, his skin looks just as brown as mine. And I think the Africans will say to themselves, you know what's funny when he looks that way? Honestly, his skin looks as black as mine. And I think the Malaysians will say to themselves, you know, it's, it's crazy. When he, when he just stands there like that, he kind of looks Asian. And I think the, the, the Pakihas and the Palangis and the Europeans will go, man, that's crazy. When he turns around like that, he looks just like he did in the movie. Because we will all see ourselves reflected in the one in whose image we were created. We will all see ourselves in his face when we see him. And when we do, when we all see the family likeness, finally, racism and discrimination will die and be buried forever. And that is why we must pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven there are no dividing lines here there must be no dividing lines here on race or class or gender for we are all family we are all family brothers and sisters and racism and classism and discrimination must end here in the church and we're not different that's just the reality we're not 
We're all the same. We're all saved by the blood of Jesus. We are all made in his image with all of our little differences. I know not all of you have got a nose as big as mine, and I'm sure many of you wish you did. But there are these beautiful differences that we all have, but we're all made in his image. I'm going to get the team to come up now as we come to a close. I'm going to ask us to do something a little bit unique this morning. I'm going to ask you to make an offering to God. Not a financial offering. I'm going to ask you to make an offering to God to be burnt with holy fire and destroyed. And I'd like to invite you to offer your flawed picture, if you have one. You know, maybe you don't. Maybe you've just always got this. And if that is right, I'm so relieved. But for many of us, we have carried a flawed picture with us of who Jesus is. A picture that hung on our bedroom or was up in our church or was found inside one of the pages of our Bible. And I want us to offer that picture to Jesus today. Offer it to God because we don't need it anymore. And it is time to eradicate this lie from the church and from the gospel because it's not helping anybody. And I'm going to ask you to accept Christ into your heart again this morning as he really is. Jesus Christ, the Savior. Jesus Christ, who was man, who when the light is right, could almost be African or Tongan or Malaysian or South American or Korean or Maori or Pakeha. But as someone just like us. And someone might say to me, oh, but Mike, you're creating God in your own image. And I say, no, we are remembering that we are created in His image. And we must define our lives and our relationship based on that truth and not create something that makes us feel more comfortable. You look like Him. You look like Him. You look like Him. And He loves you. And He wants to live in your heart. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning. We'll stand together. been a pastor nearly 20 years and I've never done this and I promise you I won't do this again because this makes some of us really uncomfortable I'm just going to ask you to hold hands with the person next to you just hold hands with the person next to you I don't care who they are, where they are, make sure you're holding someone's hand, let's just do this and can we just have a moment in prayer and as I pray, if you like me as someone who have carried a picture in your mind of Jesus picture you now realize was made in your image instead of realizing you're made in his image then as we pray I want you to let it go I just want you to let it go I want you to let it just rise up out of your mind rise up out of your body whatever use your imagination but I want you to give it back to God and let it be burnt with fire and may we never again live our lives based on that picture let's pray Jesus Jesus we've always loved you we've always loved you Lord But Lord, for some of us here this morning, we have pictured you wrong. God, and that picture, Lord, has shaped the way we have related to you. And so this morning, Lord, we give you our pictures and our images and our imaginings of who we thought you were, Jesus, that actually isn't you at all. God, for some of us, we've lived separated from you in our hearts and we've never understood why. But God, we repent of that this morning and we thank you, Lord, for our family likeness. I thank you, God, that when you look at my face, 
at every one of our faces. You see yourself in us. And God, I pray, Lord, that when we look to you, we will see ourselves in you. In your eyes, in your face, in your skin. Jesus of Nazareth, my Lord and Savior. God, we repent of loving the church more than we loved you. God, we repent of despising the church because it served a white savior. God, we were wrong. Lord, we serve the God of all nations, the God who have created every person from every corner of every color of every language. God, we open our eyes today. God, would you heal our hearts? God, would you restore our love? God, we commit ourselves afresh to you today as we truly are. God, as you truly are. God, we ask that. take a moment just to sing from I just we just need to sit in this just for a minute I really believe we do I believe some of us just need to sit in this for a moment thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph yes. in his name thanks be to God who always causes us to win yeah. thanks be to God who always causes us to God, we give you thanks this morning. Give you thanks this morning. We thank you, God, that you're bigger than us. God, you're bigger than our failings. God, you're bigger than our imaginings, Jesus. You are the God of all nations. You're my God. You are my God. And I am your child. God, and nothing will ever separate us. God, nothing in all creation will separate us from your love. And God, we make our offering of fire to you this morning in Jesus' name. And we ask you, God, to fill us and wash us afresh. God, give us fresh eyes, God. Give us fresh eyes, God. Let us see again, God. Let us see again as we always should have seen. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Hallelujah. Now, just as we're standing here, let me just do one more thing. Ask us to keep our eyes closed because maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your God and as your Savior. But I'm telling you, God came for you because He made you, He created you, and He loves you. And He wants to see you look at Him and see your likeness in His eyes. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever should believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That includes you. The Bible also says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, every one of us, us in this room, me, you, everybody. The Bible also says that Jesus came as the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can know God through Him. You see, our sin keeps us separated from knowing God and experiencing His love. But Jesus, through putting our faith in Him, He came to reconcile us to God, make things right again. The Bible says that for all who received Him, all who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. This is your opportunity this morning. If you don't know Jesus personally, or if you have and you've wandered away, man, if you just need to just sort that out, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Would you do that? Would you have the courage? Pray it in your heart, pray it out loud, whatever you want, but pray this prayer because this is your moment. It's just a simple prayer and it goes like this. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. God, I repent of my sin this morning. I confess that I have missed the mark of your glory for my life. But I believe today that Jesus is the way, 
the truth and the life that he lived the life I should have lived and died the death I should have died. That my sin might be washed away and that I might come home at last. This morning, I receive you, Jesus, into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sins. Wash my heart clean. Make me new. Thank you that I am yours from this moment on. If we can just keep our eyes closed just for a little bit longer. You know, if that's you, if you prayed there this morning, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to pull you out. I just want to pray general prayer, but I know I want to know who I'm praying for. Would you do me the great honor this morning if you had the courage to pray that prayer? In just a moment, I'm going to get you to just lift your hand up while every eye is closed and the head bowed. Just give me a wave. Say, yeah, Mike, I prayed that prayer because I want to pray for you this morning. Pray God's blessing on your life. So right now, if that's you, put your hand up, give me a wave. Say, yeah, Mike, that was me. Anyone here prayed that prayer this morning? Looking across the board. Anyone here this morning? prayed that prayer. said, yeah, that was me. Man, I did that. I invited Jesus into my heart. I invited him into my life. Anybody? Okay, well, if you prayed that prayer, as we close, grab a connect card. On there, you'll find a box you can text. Say, yeah, I invited Jesus into my heart this morning. We would love to connect with you, get some information in your head, help you. Amen. Look, I'm going to ask you to take a seat. We've just got a couple of moments left. I'm going to invite Shane to come up here and wrap this. But let me just close in prayer as we do that. Mighty God, I love you. God, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are all and in all, and that you are our Father, and that we are your family together. God, we pray, God, in your name, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in this church and in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. So before, um, before we take our offerings today, can you please just remember to fill in the Connect card if you want to um, join our growth track or get baptized or anything you want us to know so we can serve you better in future. Just fill in the Connect card and drop in the, uh, the offering bags when the bikes are passing around you. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the, uh, the message Pastor Mike's speech today. So I realized that um, it's a, it's a privilege for me to be a member of this church and also be able to contribute in building God's church in this world. It's a, such a blessing in my life. So when we, when we give out our offering, when we give what we have, what we contribute is actually make us take part in a plan which is bigger than ourselves. We become part of the plan which is God's plan instead of our own plan in this world. So let's just give out what we have and contribute together to build God's house in this world. So more and more people beyond our culture, beyond the limitation of our own language, they will be able to receive the blessing and grace of God through what we are doing here today. So let's now pray for our offerings. God, thank you. Thank you so much that we can be part of your plan in this world. God, you will, you will bless more and more people through what we're doing here today. God, thank you. Please bless every one of us so we'll be able to contribute more and we'll be able to give more. Thank you, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So um, if you want 
someone to pray for you our prayer team our ministry team will stand up here so just come up to us we're so happy to pray for you god bless you have a wonderful wonderful week hey, sorry yeah please put the connect card in the bags thank you please stand and sing one more time Thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph in His name. Thanks be to God, who always causes us to win. Yeah. Thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph in His name. Thanks be to God, thanks be to God, as we have overcome. Hope you have a fantastic day. Have a great week and we'll see you next week.